You are listening to the British Motocross Show. Welcome to the British Motocross Show. I'm James Burfield, and on this show this week, we have Rob Holyoke. Hi, Rob. Good day, race fans. There we go. Actually, very, very happy that he's in, uh, in studio. One of my favorite motocross families, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But this show is sponsored by Talon Even Strokes, which is a new uh, motocross shop for Europe, stocking brands like Yoko, Alpine Stars, Death Family. Jesus. Every week I forget the brands. Anyway, great little shop. Started off from nothing, and it's building. And also, most importantly, Croft Garage in Cheltenham. Big up. Big up, the Croft Garage. As mentioned, we have Rob in studio. For those that don't know Rob, he is a three-time Lay 2K top 35 rider. That's solid. How many people can say that? Probably a fair few. Well, <laughs> well three, three years in a row. Three years in a row. Only 35, maybe. So, yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, but it's great to have you on, on, on the show. And I just wanted to um, kind of talk to you about, because I don't know much about kind of what you've done sort of growing up and youth. Not like where you went to school and stuff. But, uh, you <laughs> Get know, sort of, that. <laughs> <laughs> don't I'll start getting a reputation for that as well. <laughs> what, would be, uh, what would be good to know is kind of what you've done in your youth career and... You know, we've had uh, previous people like obviously Tom Neal and, and Josh Spinks and stuff like that, but I, I get the sense that you're a, a different type of rider and a different type of person to those guys. I'm, I'm guessing that you've, not I'm saying that you've worked any harder, but a different path, I guess. Yeah, slightly. Like it, in the schoolboys, I was, to be honest, I was pretty average. Like I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with average. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, sort of, I, I started quite late. I, I started racing at 10 cool. because... Um, my dad was still racing. Yep. He carried on racing until he was 47. Is that the great Dave Holyoke? Heavy D. Heavy yeah. D. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so he was, he was doing like solid whole shot one lap races at 47 years old. 47. And he's yeah, still, yeah. So I'm 44. Yeah. There's, there's life in the old dog yet? Oh, definitely. Excellent. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> so yeah, he was, he was still racing. So I was kind of, I was riding just for fun, sort of going on like, the junior track when we went practicing, like Cutter's Gorse was, they used to have a little track on the side. Yep. And then I saw, I started late. So I was maybe a year or two behind everyone else. 
Mm-hmm. But I like, yeah, in, in my youth, youth career, sort of 85s and stuff, I was sort of solid, sort of top 10 rider at national level. Like we used to have the Red Bull Elite back then. Yeah. Which was like... So what was this, like solid. sort of 2010, 2011? Yeah, yeah. Like I started sort of doing nationals 09. Okay. And then, yeah, carried on from there. Cool. So um, what sort of clubs were you riding in, like when you first started? I was Cotswold Club. Cotswold? Yeah, okay. yeah. Like we had Bromyard. Yeah. And Bromyard and Bromyard. Um, <laughs> Were you fast around Bromyard? <laughs> I, to start with, I hated Bromyard, but by the end of it, I was a Bromyard specialist. Really? It's a sick track. Excellent. Um, Maybe a potential British championship track for oh, definitely. 2021. Definitely. Yeah, like, excellent. Hell of a track. So yeah, then then I sort of started doing nationals and stuff, but it was never it was never serious for us. Like I, I went and sort of just did it as a bit of a laugh, really. You know, we never shelled out too much on the bikes and that. They're pretty much standard, standard with a pipe on. Yep. And just went out there and just went at it, really. And had uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And the results were the bonus part of it. Okay. So when, so at that point, say in 09, when you were doing the, was your dad still racing? No. No, he no. kind of like knocked it on the head then. Yeah, like he finished in 05, like full time. Yeah. So I started in 06. Yeah. He tried to do like the whole veteran class at the schoolboys thing. Yeah. Um, few problems with that. Like he come from racing like British four strokes and stuff. So there was a few racing maneuvers that they didn't take too kindly to. <laughs> um, for one. Yeah. And then I couldn't even use a clutch. So like he was having to push me down to the line and like off the start and stuff. Yeah. So by the time we got to his race, he was knackered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he he sort of finished in. He did a little bit in 06, but then he was finished altogether. Cool. So, um, obviously, you've done the Nationals, and you started yeah. off with a Red Bull and kind of went through the motions, and what was that kind of big wheel, um, small wheel, and then on to sort of gradually sort of progressing into went, rookies and stuff? No, no. I went, so I went small wheel, big wheel, usual thing. And then when 15, I went on to 125, but I went adult racing. Okay. Because we were kind of, we had a few problems here and there, like, you know, the usual schoolboy thing where dads would come and argue and stuff like that. But the trouble was my old man wouldn't argue back to him. He'd go, <laughs> he'd go, he, he stood over there if you want to talk to him. And like, I had quite bad little man syndrome back in the day. Yeah. So like, I'd be going, going in on these like middle-aged men. <laughs> and I was like two foot tall and like squeaky little voice. Yeah. So we kind of got away from the, the schoolboy scene. I actually went and started doing like Southwest Premier. Ah, cool. In the juniors. Yep. To, to get my expert points, like the old school way. Yeah. Yeah, so went and did that. That was 2012. Cool. Suzuki 125. There we go. That was, yeah, against 450s. That was... Good fun. It was great fun. <laughs> At the same time, I had a lot of bruises on my arms. I can imagine. <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. And then started to do the whole EMX thing in 2013. So 2013, you decided to do the whole EMX 125? Yeah, like I, I'd always wanted to do it. And that was the last year I could do it. Okay. I was, I was turning 17 and that's the age limit. So yep. yeah, I just sort of thought I'll throw myself in there. First ever one was Arco. Um, right, okay. Trentino, yeah. Yeah, that was... A bit of an eye-opener coming from the Southwest to Tr- Trentino, I can imagine. But the, the weekend before, I was racing at Fat Cats for like a, a GT Cup. Okay. Which is like... What year was this? 2013. 2013, yeah. 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 Okay. Hell, so it, it was from, an experience. So you're going from Fat Cats. Yeah, to Arco. To Arco, okay. A GP. Yeah, good, good prep uh, now. <laughs> like, Very never, similar tracks. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never forget, like, at Technical, we t- I was still on the Suzuki at the time. I took my bike to Technical. 
And like they weigh it on the scales there. Yeah. And um, at the time, Mel Pocock was riding for Dixon. Okay. And this is like when they had the... Oh, was this when they had Osborne in Tonus? They must have been on the team as well. Uh, Ferris. Ferris, was that? Ferris, okay. yeah. That was like when they had... It was the last edition of like the car bikes and those things were animals. Yeah. Like they were out gating 450s at the donations and I stuff. I remember, yeah. Ferris is starts at the yeah. donations, yeah. And um, he's behind me. Well, his bike's behind me. I put my bike on the scales and it's like, I don't know, like solid like 110 or something like that. <laughs> One, two, five, two stroke. And then they put Mel's bike on afterwards and it's like five kilos lighter or something <laughs> stupid. And I'm like, ah, oh, we've got some learning to do here, I think. So after that round, I went and got KTM. <laughs> you got graded from the Suzuki. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. And, and how did that go? Was the transition good? Transition was uh, me sort of kicking myself, thinking, why didn't I do this two years ago? Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely benefited from it. Wow, even back then. Oh, massively, massively. Like the Suzuki was a good bike, but maybe if I was in the same position, maybe three or four years beforehand. Yeah. Whereas the KTM kind of kept on progressing. On progressing, yeah, yeah. where the Suzuki didn't. And like those GP tracks, the jumps are a decent size. So you need all the power you can get on the one two five. Every bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going back to that kind of that first DMX, talk about that experience. So like, I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing you as a family got in the camper. Yeah, it got in the camper. Um, yeah, so e even just the drive, what would it be down to there? Like you probably so do you're it, going like, through France. We we did sort of coming down through what Switzerland and Milan in in Dang. We yeah, so we went Belgium through the Ardennes. Yeah, must have touched Germany a little bit. Yeah, Austria. Okay, skirted Switzerland. Managed to not get um the stopped by having a car name and stuff like that. Yeah, was it eighty quid to to drive through Switzerland back back then or something like that? I'm I'm not sure. We didn't pay. Yeah, pay anything, but we didn't know at the time. Yeah, but yeah, then we came down. But it's awesome, like all through the mountains, through the Alps and stuff. Like for your first ever trip going to an EMX, it's not, uh, it's not a better place to travel to. I don't think to Arco is. It's an it's amazing unreal. track, anyway. Right next to Lake Guard, if you don't know, it's yeah. it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's like and and the track itself as well. It's it's pretty old school. Yeah, like it's nothing too extreme in it, but like the well. You say dirt back then. It looks like, because I've not been since, it looks like they've put dirt onto it now. But like when we rode it, it was like gravel. Yeah, quite stony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine that. There's some stings that's come through by the end of the oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was cool. Well, I don't know by the end of the day because I only made it one lap in my qualifying race. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So, so you literally went all the way to Trentino. Did qualifying and then one lap in my qualifying race. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So qualifying, like, I, I think there's something stupid like, 90 of us within three seconds or something crazy like That'd that. That'd be about right, yeah. That many people are trying to qualify and yeah. all one-lap specialists going crazy. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So I was probably like, I think it was like one or two from the back in qualifying. Went out for the race. Actually got a pretty good start. And it's actually David Herbertrue. Back in the day, it kind of goes behind that little hill now and jumps over the top. Okay. Back then it went like rollers and then turned by this tree and then down the hill. Right. We were going along these rollers and Herbertrue, he was on one of the old Huskies before they were KTM Huskies, like the red ones. Right. Got a bit of a swap on next to me, like collected me. We went like massive and I think I snapped like the clutch perch off of the bike or something and that was it. Game over. What, the whole weekend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so literally all that way, you managed to do, did you say one race? No, or just qualifying race? Just, just qualifying and then one lap of the qualifying race. Wow. So literally sat out and watched the race on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. 
But to be fair, even even just doing that, the the amount of experience you gained, yeah, was it was massive. So after sort of let's talk about that the the learning experience. So for any youth riders or any people who are kind of thinking, they they're doing national level at the moment and they're thinking, okay, I'm going to try this this European Championship this year, the one two five. And let's face it, you you're competing against people like Liam Evers, like oh, it's future world champions. Yeah, Paul's Jonas won it the year I did it. Okay, he's pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's face it, you're doing, you're, you're quite happy. You're, you're, you're knocking around fat cats in the other six tracks in the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what they use for every championship, <laughs> and um, you know things are going well, and you're, you're progressing. And then you think, do you know what? I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a go. In, in what three things would you say to them? What's the biggest eye openers? Not free, but what are the biggest eye openers? Which um, or experiences which you can help them with, let, let them know what they're, they're going to be experiencing when they step up to this European level. Well, like, first off, always go to the welcome office first. Because, <laughs> <laughs> great advice, great advice. <laughs> but, like, honestly, because. And, and why? Why would you go to the welcome center first? Well, because then you try and get into the track with no passes, and then, like, there's a massive queue, and you're doing a UE, and, like, there's bound to be some angry Italian guy behind you, like, Going crazy. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. know what he's saying. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, one, always go to the welcome office first. Yeah, get your passes, <laughs> yeah, get your tickets. Definitely. It's Make sure you've got an entry. <laughs> saves a lot of hassle. <laughs> Did you do that the first time? Yes. Yeah, okay, very good. <laughs> and Arco, like, you've been there, you know the roadway, and it's like sharp left oh, up yeah. a hill. It's not fun. Yeah, no. Yeah, and then after that, really, just don't, don't go in there thinking you're going to set the world alight. Just go in there purely just to have fun. Yeah. And learn from it because the level is... Target to qualify? Target to qualify maybe after a couple of rounds. Uh, this is interesting because year after year, I watch a lot of young British talent coming through. Mm -hmm. They hit probably the first, like literally first EMX 250 round in Valkensvard. They're pretty yeah. handy in the sand, these guys. So they've spent a lot of time at wet fat cats yep. and, and everything else and smashing out the laps and everything else. Why do you think they struggle? when they turn out to Valkensvard and they can't even qualify? Just the occasion. Do you think? Just, just the occasion itself. Like, you go there and you used to just lining up, oh, we've got Startgate this weekend. <laughs> and, and you get there and, you know, there's loads of people there watching and, you know, even just walking through the paddock, like, it, it's... That's got to be kind of overwhelming. Different ball game. Yeah. And, like, some of the guys you'll be in the same class as are in those awnings. Yeah. And you kind of think, shit. But you're in like parking lot C, yeah. which is in the woods. Yeah, you're, you're out in center <laughs> parks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it really is just going there and with an open mind, really. Okay. Um, no expectations? No, no expect expectations whatsoever. Because you, you're going to have pressure as soon as you hit that place anyway. You oh, don't want to like, be putting pressure on yourself, I guess. What well, you end up doing it anyway. Like when, when I first did I just froze up. Let's talk about that, the, the, mental, the mental part of turning up there. Yeah, well... What, what would... What, you know, what's kind of going through your mind? You, you kind of think, oh, shit, last time I was at a GP, I was here watching. Like, for me, I went to watch a GP, uh, I think it was like, oh, nine, the last time I went to a GP, and I was watching. Yeah. The next GP I went to, I was riding. Wow. It, like, it, albeit a support class, but you're still there. Hey, yeah. You're on the same track and everything. and Same people. Yeah, and the, the occasion does get to you, I think. Yeah. No matter who you are, but it's just how you deal with it afterwards. Like, some people would go there and it would, demoralize them and you might not see them do it try it again or whatever and some people it'll almost spur them on to do it again and improve 
Yeah. Did you ride um, any other countries before you hit Trento? Did you do any riding in Belgium or yeah. did you do Dutch Masters or anything like that? Or was it just literally, was it just UK? Believe it or not, I raced probably the first year I ever started racing. I raced in France. Really? Yeah, because we've got, um, we've got a holiday place out there. Very cool. We've had it since, I think it's like 03 or something, we bought it. Yeah. 10 minutes down the road from Ernay. Ah, cool. Wow, I um, hit you up this year. That, that was quite, yeah. That was quite convenient. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's I very convenient. I don't know how my old man found that. No, I don't know either. Uh, <laughs> was it drunk at some uh, GP one year and just thought, I'll treat the wife? Oh, <laughs> uh, ulterior motives all the yeah. time. Isn't it? Like, oh yeah, nice house here. Well, there's a GP down the road. We'll go and have a look at that. Yeah. Yeah, we, I, well, me and my dad, we rode a, a regional race over there. Okay. Uh, it was like League of Brittany or something like that. Yeah, so I, I, I'd raced abroad, but not, not anywhere near the same level. Okay, interesting. Okay, yeah, because literally I've, I've put, like I'm 44, I gave up motocross when I was 16, went back to mm-hmm. it at 30, gave it up again when I started uh, business, started progressing. And yeah. then after a seven-year break, I think seven years, yeah, I'm going to start racing again this year. However, I still not, I've still not raced or rode in another country. Uh, it's probably a lot of people, like the majority of people in this country who have they're the same, aren't they? But I like, I I find it quite, and, and I don't. I've never talked about this, but even when you're used to the UK and everything else, when you start to go abroad and there's different cultures, I mean, it's better now because a lot of people speak English. Yeah, you know, as a second language, so it is a lot easier. Yeah, but driving, the culture, the food, everything else, let alone actually go into the line at that, there's a lot to take on. Definitely, definitely. But so, so kind of what so. Let's get back to the the first question, which was okay, expectations, the mental side. Yeah. Um. You know, what other things are these kids going to be need to think about when they when they hit the GPS um, or the EMX classes? Sorry. I think I think something is, you know, you've got to watch in, in your class, especially if you're riding around with them. Watch what the faster riders are doing. Okay. Maybe not the leader, but like you know, you pick like a solid top ten rider who's maybe a bit more you you could latch onto maybe for. I have a whole lap, I'd have half a, bit a, lap. Of a problem latching onto a top ten rider. I I had the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> I I tried to latch onto Brian Shu. Oh yeah, he was on fact, a factory Suzuki. I thought, oh yeah, yeah, it'd be right. Yeah, no two, Suzuki guy. Two corners and he's gone. Yeah, like what? Like, where was it? <laughs> yeah, like what happened yeah, there? I was trying to get a toe. Yeah, yeah. If you can just see what they're doing, because you know they're in in Europe, the the tracks in in general are bigger. You know, they're more like a GP track, and yeah. to to just be able to learn how to to tackle that sort of stuff because you've got to be pretty committed to, you know, hitting some of the jumps and that, especially on the one two five. Yeah, you don't want to be half ass and stuff. Yeah. Like if you can follow someone and maybe get the jumps good and stuff like that, then you might be somewhere near. Yeah. But yeah, I, either way, just just to be around the better competition. At the end of the day, they've they've gone out of their way to to go where the better competition is. So to try and learn off of it is the biggest thing. I guess that's uh, another thing to take away from um, racing with people at that level is that, did you notice a difference that when you went back to the UK, did it change yeah. your mindset? Massively. Like I, the weekend after, actually, I had a Red Bull Pro Nationals. First round of it at Landrake. Yeah. I was in like the 125 junior class or something. Jesus, I think I might have actually been there. Probably. Yeah. Because um, Lewis was riding the, it was all in one race. Lewis was in the expert class, Gregory. Yeah. yeah. Was um, he riding for um, Rob Hooper at the time? 
that was the year the team like they they lost some funding or something and the team uh, like it took a hiatus for yeah a, a year right at the start of the season so yeah. he was left without anything so he i remember yeah he went and bought some yamaha 125s uh, okay so we we were kind of riding together and stuff at the time is that when big owl took the outback the barbecue i think i remember that one probably yeah he takes that thing anywhere he goes yeah i think i remember <laughs> i think i remember yeah <laughs> yeah it was there and um you know, the Red Bull back then was like probably the biggest series in the country. Really good series. You know, really for, well run. For everything around it. Yeah. Um, and it felt that the pressure was so much easier to deal with afterwards. And I, I ended up, I, th I think I won the junior class or something like that. But it was even the, like the racing with other people just wasn't as intense. Like the EMX 125, the racing is like cutthroat. Same with the EMX 250. Yeah. You make like one mistake and you are, you know, you're losing like five, six places. Whereas there, you can make a mistake and not even lose one. But literally within the, the European level, one little mistake in six, yep. six positions gone yep. or you've lost a tenth on that lap or yep. whatever, a couple of seconds on that lap. And yep. I think, interestingly, one of the things I find quite incredible is, and you touched, about it, touched upon it uh, a little bit a couple of minutes ago, which is the literally a second could separate 10 riders. Easily, yeah. Which is phenomenal when you think about it. And then you've got um, 120 people trying to qualify for 40 people on the line. I mean, people talk about, oh, you know, motocross is not, uh, I've, you know, I've always said it, I think it's a, it's, it's a lot of bullshit. That, that yes. When you get to that level, there is the riders, there is the people who want to compete. And when you've got 120 people going for 40 spaces and willing to travel hundreds of miles to do so, it's it insane. Get, it gets savage. Like yeah. even qualifying, you've got people like try not not like trying to. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just taking photos. <laughs> Sorry, um, I just had a call from uh, from a, a friend, Jal from Hello Jal from Monster Energy. So Hello. he's just messaged me. So just in case he feels like I'm shirking his calls, I'm sending him a yeah. photo of us so he knows like, that I'm why, actually working. Why are you ignoring me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back, what other experience factors or what other things can you give advice to these young riders when they're hitting? We talked about obviously the Red Bull in, in you noticed that that made a bit of a difference yeah. when you went back to, yeah, to the yeah. UK. So they're going to get this, okay, there's a lot of negatives as in negatives. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be mentally draining being at the GPs or the MX classes. Yeah. However, it is going to help your riding once you get back to the UK. Yeah. And really that, that's for, for me anyway, that's what a lot of the sport was about was dealing with all of those things and sort of trying to improve yourself off the back of it. Because if you went, well, for me, if I went to a race weekend and it all just sort of went easy, it's almost a bit boring. But you've got to deal with um, all the adversity that comes with it. And that's, well, that, that's why it's like one of the hardest sports around, I think. Okay. And have you noticed any difference between that first qualifying race in 13 and what you were doing in EMX 300? It, like, you've obviously still looking at the EMX 125 class of 250. Is it got harder or has it got? easier or is it just the same the emx 125 or, yeah um, like as in the classes and is it even I, more professional than it is was back in in 13 it's probably it's probably about the same because okay. you've got a, a few there who are factory supported and stuff yeah but i think um i i don't know if you'd agree on it but you have it, it's almost goes in like waves so you'll have one generation so i was with like jonas and david pooch's people like that yeah. Vassen, yeah and they all kind of went up and moved up and then like the next lot came through who were like zach pichon maxime renault people like that yeah 
and they're the younger guys. So the level for that first year maybe isn't quite as intense as it was the year before. Yeah. But then the year after, it, it gets back to that level where they, they gain the experience and they're a bit older and stuff like that. Yeah. No, I think I, I agree because I think before the year you're on about, I think it was the time of Geyser. Geyser, Jimmy Dunn. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that was incredible as well. So it's... It's interesting. I think, yeah, there is waves, waves and troughs. But, but I think, yeah, I think that's right with, with how it's always been in, in motocross. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about too much about my back in the day. But as you could imagine, when I turned up at a schoolboy event, you had um, Jamie Dobb, Craig Prattley, Julian Rawson, yeah. uh, just this whole host of what ended up being basically becoming the GP riders for yeah. the next 10, 15 years yeah. um, and dominating British championships. And that was but you know, back in the eighties. Yeah. So again, it's quite interesting now where I'm sure if you've done like a French championship and you're coming up through the 85s and you're racing against Maxime Renault and Zach Pichon and, and mm. all these riders that you've kind of mentioned, it must be the similar thing for, for France at the moment with the amount of riders they're churning out. They've got some insane riders coming out. Like, um, cause you spend a, a, quite a bit of time in France now, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't live there or anything, but I'm there a fair bit. But the, I I was down last year before the two K. I was I was actually riding with my my old team. Yeah, uh, right down south in France, uh, hard pack. Little kid called I think it's Jules Pietra. He did the arena cross the other day. Okay, I think he won the one night. But the kid is like two foot tall, and we were at this this track, um, Beauvoisin, which you know uh, Greg Aranda like lives there. Yeah, the place is insane, and um, there's just like this big jump down this hill that I. You know, you could whip on it. It's pretty cool. I had a few. I was like pulling a few whips. And I saw this little kid on this 85. Bike was completely upside down, like looking over, pointing at the crowd. <laughs> and I was like, A, it's embarrassing for me. Like, there's no way I could throw, <laughs> throw down something that big. Yeah. But this kid was like 10. And like, you just ne you never, uh, well, I'm not seeing a kid ride a bike like that since I remember watching Conrad up at Apex on a 65 or something. Yeah. It's just insane. But that's kind of gives you an example of the level what they've got yeah. coming through yeah. still. And then I did a, I did a beat race at, at Loon. Um, that would have been September, like a motocross format thing. It's the one that Jeffrey was racing. Yeah. This kid qualified behind me on a 125. And um, he, I think, because I, I kind of looked him up afterwards. I think he's like 12 or some, something stupid, like literally just got off an 85. <laughs> And he's there yeah. with his little mate as well, like chatting shit before the race. And they're like, oh, like, yeah, literally little kids. But the talent they've got on a bike is just insane. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's speak a little bit more about um, that. And we'll, we'll touch back on the, what riders have got to face when they come into EMX yeah. in about five. So we're going to take a little break. Let's listen to uh, some of our sponsors. And um, we'll be back in five. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. You are listening to the British Motocross Show. Just a shout out and say uh, a huge thanks to Talon. They've been with, with MX Vice and, and myself now for, I think it's going back eight years. Amazing company, really, really cool wheels, really cool products. Everything's made in the factory. You can watch literally all the hubs being made, uh, the wheels being put together. It's super cool. 
Um, I think you'll probably realize that most wheels in uh, most bikes in the British Championship are running those wheels. A lot of GP teams are. Rockstar Husqvarna team with Dean Wilson, Zach Osborne, Jason Anderson are running the wheels. Blake Baggett and so on. There's so many people now which are uh, lending themselves to you know using Talon wheels for good reason. Great company, great product, and uh, massive supporters and sponsors of MX Vice. Literally, if it wasn't for that company, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. So um, big shout out to Talon. And also to Even Strokes, as I mentioned earlier, small startup is going to be a motocross uh, online European shop. Well, it is already a motocross online European shop. It's going to be in different languages, different countries, different people, primarily focused on motocross and enduro, uh, running brands like Alpine Stars, Def Family, EKS Brand, Fast House, MX Vice, uh, One Gripper, Seat Covers, Pro Grip, Renful, We Big, Yoko, Motorex, DID, just to name a few. So uh, more brands coming on every day. I do believe I hear that um, they potentially could have Fox on there in the next couple of weeks, which is uh, another great brand along with Shift. So um, yeah, looks like a great business going uh, great places. So um, yeah, I like that. What do you think, Rob? I think it's great. Yeah, thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so if you didn't know, already in studio is uh, Rob Hollyoke. It's a pleasure to have him on. My background with um, the Hollyoaks, I've just got to know them through wandering through the pits. Uh, looking for places to to go for coffee and um, and chat to people because I really don't do anything else, according to Lewis Phillips, tosser. <laughs> so I got to know kind of Rob and his family just because just bloody nice people. I'll just be wandering along one day and I'll see Dave and Dave will just start a conversation. I think that's pretty much how it started. Got started talking to Rob. I think we we're probably in the middle of some country somewhere. And it was like, oh, I recognize you, oh, I recognize you, and, and so on. Right the way up to, uh, I think last year at Hawkstone Park, I was there helping out the JWR team because they came over from Sweden. And um, we got a jet wash, and uh, the jet wash didn't work. So lo and behold, um, Dave Holly uh, out of nowhere came up with a spark plug and um, fixed oh, a, fix, yeah, fix a jet wash. So still owe us a spark, spark plug, but yeah, I'm yeah. going to repay you some goggles. <laughs> so uh, I believe that the debt after today will now be uh, settled. Even. Yeah, even. So um, yeah, but that spark plug's still going. Is it? It's that's still good. in the jet wash now. So, that's good, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, good times. But that just gives you, a, a, you know, I think that says everything when you're in the pits and, you know, people say a lot about everything, but what I like about you guys is you're, I respect you guys so much because it's all about having fun, being a family and enjoying motocross. If ever there was an example of, um, you are the epitome of what a motocross family should be about the fact that you guys go in a camper and have these experiences. How old are you now, Rob? I'm 23. 23. So yeah. I'm, I'm envious because I'd love to spend that much time with my family doing something where we could all get together and, and, you know, have some fun and travel the world, have all these different experiences. And uh, for me, it, it's, I, I love seeing that. It must be pretty cool for you. Yeah, I mean, it's my, my family have been in it for, well, my, my dad raced. So like, he started in like the 70s. And my, my granddad was, he, he started it out. He was actually a dispatch rider in the army and he started doing trials and stuff over in Germany. Wow. He was over there in like the sort of... Well, literally, as the bombs are coming down. <laughs> a, li a little bit after that. <laughs> a little bit after, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing trials. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, he, he sort of started it off and then my dad started racing and it's always been a family thing all the way through. I always, when they could, I always have my grandparents come as well. But obviously now, my, well, my granddad's died and my gran is 90 odd now. So wow, she doesn't, she, 
I always try and race at Fox Hills because she gets brought along there. That's cool. But yeah, now it's just me and my parents and maybe Vince normally comes along, helps out mechanic in. He's just a friend of ours. And yep. I've met Vince a few times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is a good never, guy. You'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, even that we, we've not, we're going to talk about this year um, with you a little bit later, but you know, everywhere I see you, I bump into you all around the world. Yeah. And uh, it just, I just think it's crazy that like you guys literally just, you know, get in a camper, you've got pretty much, you know, you know, you're not exactly the most supported rider. You're doing everything out of your own pocket. Mm -hmm. Everybody's chipping in from the family to do it, which is relatable to a lot of families in the UK. However, yeah. you're not just doing this in the UK, you're doing it around Europe. Yeah. But I mean, some of the experiences you guys must have as a family a bit like, you know, we're talking about Trentino. I mean, did you get the chance to stop off at Lake Garda on the way back? And we, do you get drove... to do sort of cool stuff like that as well? Um, well, my old man likes to, likes to drive and just carry on. So normally what we'll do, we go, oh, that's Lake Garda. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> what, so you're not actually getting into the culture. Your dad's just passing it by. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe we... we well, we see a lot of service stations. A lot of service stations. <laughs> a lot station. of service stations. I know a lot about um, European service station food and that sort of thing. Yeah. We're quite cultural in that sort of Okay, sense. cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those. We, we pretty much drive straight to the track and back again. But with, with the racing we've been doing in France, we do tend to stop. And because obviously with the Sam racing, it's, it's based in, in a town or something like that. So you get, you get to see a bit more of yeah. like where you're actually going then. And over, over the years, have you kind of um, uh, built like a, a foundation of friends around racing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, the, the GP paddock in itself is quite a, it's almost quite a tight-knit community, really. Yeah. So uh, just from seeing people in passing, you get to know people. You know, a lot of the time for me, I get to know different mechanics and people like that just because they, they're the ones sort of, they're, they're more under the awning. The riders are always out doing something or yeah so yeah, i've gotten to know a few people there and it's the sort of um community that you you can sort of step away from it but you'll never sort of step out of it yeah like you can always come back and it's like you didn't leave same faces yeah. same people yeah and, yeah and people want to be there they, yeah. they let's let's face it within within motocross you're there because you want to be there you could probably earn a lot more money outside of motocross with exactly. those selected skills as a mechanic yeah um however uh, you know, some people do choose to do that and step away, but I don't know what it is. It's, it's the drug, the lore, which, which you inevitably end back within motocross somehow. I mean, I have. I gave up an agency in 16, yeah. uh, which was doing really well, really good money. And um, I decided to put all my money into MX Vice. What yeah. a dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can't help it. I mean, that's the reason why MX Vice is MX Vice. You're addicted to motocross. It's a, it's a drug. Yeah. You can't help it. Yeah. But, like, if you've got sort of people within France now, you've been riding in France quite a bit. So do you have, like, friends in France who you can kind of, like, call up and say, I'm coming over riding and do you want to go out and stuff like that? Um, there's a few people that I've gotten to know. Um, when I've been over there, I've, I've actually been sort of staying with um, Todd Kellett. Okay. Because he's been staying. He's, he's had a place just south of Calais. Yeah. So I've gone over, stayed with them, and and gotten to know like the team around him, which is Dragon Tech. Okay. So, you know, the, the owners and the mechanics and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Really good guys. Really good. Really, like it's really nice people because the Kellets are, are an out and out motocross family, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. Really good people. Uh, Nibs and Carol, just lovely people. And Todd and Ty are just out and out riders. They're there for the racing. And I can't believe that Ty just turned up at 
Uh, yeah, Le 2K. Le 2K. And did he finish in the top 40 as well? He was... Or 50? Something yeah, like uh, th 38th or 39th 38th, or yeah. something like that, yeah. Which so, When was Ty riding before? Or is he... Um, I think he did a little bit of Dunkirk, but... Okay. You know, once you've got that sort of talent on a bike, you don't... Yeah. You don't, you don't lose it, you know? But phenomenal, really, to like not... To jump straight in. Straight in, yeah. yeah. Fair play. And it just says something about the, the family itself. I, I think, it, you know, they're the kind of guys you could put them on anything with two wheels and they'd be there or thereabouts. They'll do well. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. So you've got, kind of got that um, link there. So when, when you do go over, you can possibly go out and ride with Todd in, in stay over there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, they're, they're back in the UK now, but obviously for the, the sand season, yeah. you've, you've got to be there, really. Just because you're going to be right. So, you're, you're, so where do you practice? Is it Dunkirk, Dunkirk most days? Dunkirk. That's the only place up north, really. Yeah. Um, there's a fair bit, if you go right down the south, sort of like Biarritz sort of way. Yeah. Um, there's some really cool places to ride down there. Okay. Which they're not. They're not legal places, but... <laughs> but Is that like a bit like the Port Talbot of, of France? Yes, but you, you don't get like... Uh, you don't get kicked off in 20 minutes over there. Like... Um, okay. And your bike confiscated? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like the one we had a race down uh, at Bud Racing training camp. Okay. That got cancelled. Right. So everyone was like... Was that the one with the, the rain? Yes. Okay. Lots, yeah, I, I, lots and lots of rain. I've seen a lot of pictures with a lot of rain. It was unbelievable. Like, it, it just turned into a lake. Um, I, I couldn't believe the pictures I've seen was just literally everything was underwater. And the crazy thing is, it took until Sunday morning before they cancelled it. So you've literally gone over there? Literally drove, yeah, I mean, what would it take, sort of 10, 12 hour trip down there for it to be cancelled? Wow. But it all got cancelled and everyone's like, oh, we just go ride at this place. I, I won't say the name of it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll all just go there. Um, and we got there. And honestly, there was about 300 people at this place. <laughs> what just riding rang? Yeah. Straight up, like, the, the whole road on the way in. <laughs> it was like, it's probably like if, if someone, like, did a rave or something. Like, just cars parked in the middle of nowhere. The cars, vans, campers. And you got into, like, where the track is. And it was just, it was like a race meeting. Wow. But it was so sick because... The track there obviously never gets graded. So it's like what Latuke looks like at the end of a race. And you just like jump straight into that. Oh. And like there's, there's people like. Sounds like my kind of track. Not. It's my kind of track for about 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you think, oh, I can't hang on. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Obviously, you've, you, you rode, uh, we, we talked about the EMX 125 on the Suzuki and then you, you know, went over to KTM. Yeah. That experience helped you when you went back to, you know, riding in Britain again. Yeah. And you've done some of the British Championship, haven't you, for the last few years? Yeah, I did um, three, three years, I think, in the British Championship. Was that MXY2 as well? Or did, uh, you, I, did you ever I did, do that? I did a year MXY2. The yep. last year I could do it. Okay. Just so I did it. Did it, yeah. Um, and then went straight into MX1. To MX1? Yes, yes. Uh, just, just decided to skip two. No, no, it wasn't the plan at all. Okay. Uh, plan was to go MX2. Yeah. And they didn't have any spaces. Ah, that old chestnut. Those so, were the days. <laughs> no comment. Those were the days, no, yeah. No comment. So um, you should be able to be fine now if you want to go in 250. I mean, there's, there's a couple of gaps ne there. Never say never. Yeah. I've still got the two strokes out there. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, they're actually allowing 250 two strokes this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that something you fancy doing for a round? Um, Maybe Fox Hills? I could try. Get Nan out? Get, get Gran out. Gran out, yeah, Sit that's it. at the side. Yeah. 
not too close to the edge, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> make sure she's got some uh, some some, got some, some wood like, under the wheels. We don't want to be yeah, yeah. don't be doing that. Some chocks. You want to see her going down Fox Hills, <laughs> do we? <laughs> Go on, Grand, clear the double. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, so I I ended up going into the MX One um, on the three hundred two stroke. Okay, because I was seventeen at the time, and like I wasn't a big seventeen year old. There's no way I was hanging on to a four fifty. No. So we thought it put me on like a, the equivalent of a 500 two-stroke. Yeah, so, why and not? It, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Had many crashes that, that year? or The first time I rode it, or first time I raced it, was at Hawkstone. Oh. Uh, it's like a Scott Nationals just, or something Just to like bed that. yourself in. Yeah, yeah. Um, landed off that jump before the uphill. Yep. Landed and it was a bit of a soft patch. So I decided to wind it on. Uh, oh, cool. The so... thing, yeah, the thing decided to like loop out about three quarters of the way up the hill. <laughs> and, oh wow and like the bike was about 40 foot ahead of me and i thought what the hell happened there i was just sort of looked around a bit and then went and picked the bike up and i thought shit i've I got to be a bit careful with this thing yeah that must have been quite an interesting place to crash it was interesting getting the bike going again yeah i did manage to climb the rest of it without having to go down again but wow that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> so uh what, what sort of year was this 13 14 uh 15 15 okay 15. so 15 you're an mx1 uh, on, yep. a, on a 300, 300. stroke, yeah. Okay, cool. yeah, and doing the EMX 300 as well. And you, what, so that was that the first year you done the whole series of the MX one? Oh, yeah, sorry, EMX 300. EMX three, yeah, it's the first year I did the EMX 300, yeah. And what prompted you to obviously you've done the EMX 125 before, but was that a family decision? Was that your decision? Did you just wake up one day and just say, hey, let's do the EMX 300? Um, yeah, to be fair, it's always, it's always been my choice what what I go and ride and I'm lucky enough that my parents sort of support that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of looked at it the year before because it started in 14. Which is when it had the, uh, was it like seven riders on the line? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went to the first ever one at Bulgaria Okay. to watch. Yeah. I had a broken wrist so I went and watched. Yeah. And yeah, there was like, there's not many people there. That track though and that setup, how cool was it? Oh, like they had a bit of rain on the, on the Saturdays where it was a mud race on the Sunday, I think. Ah, okay. But the I wasn't Saturday, there for that. The Saturday, it was like pure chocolate cake. Well, I, I, for people who haven't been to, to Bulgaria, I, I find it a very interesting uh, country because, and, and please, please don't, Bulgarians don't hate me, but um, <laughs> I've been in a lot of places around the world, but I definitely didn't feel safe there. No. And no, no. Um, you could be just driving along and you might not see anything for, you know, 50 miles, and then you'll see somebody walking around with a Tesco carrier bag which is really weird. A bit like Latvia as well, when you just yes. see people walking through the trees yeah. as you go along the road. So very, very strange, like, you know, when you're used to the UK, very, very different. Didn't feel very safe. The roads were very unfinished. <laughs> but Jesus Christ, that track and the facilities it's at the unbelievable. track. unbelievable. It's just like, it's like, like a freaking Olympic sport there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like the way when you go in, like across the back of the grandstands and that, it's got like Petr Petrov. Yeah. And like a massive photo of him on it and stuff like that. Oh, he's th like literally God. just a country uh, hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing that sticks in my mind about Bulgaria, um, we were just coming out of Sofia on the motorway and there's like this big holdup. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Horse and cart. <laughs> <laughs> what, overturned in the fast lane? No, no, no. Like, oh. it, it was still going. They, they were still going, like full chat, but obviously not very fast. Yeah, on the motorway. Horse and cart. Horse and cut on I the thought, motorway. Wow. Yeah. Different cut the fish. Yeah. Well, at first, I'm actually amazed that they had a motorway. 
and the <laughs> second, uh, oh, there was a horse and cart on it. It must have been fairly new because it wasn't on the sat nav. Yeah. Sat nav was taking us through like the, the shanty town bit, but we were going like straight over the top of what was there. Wait, where you actually start to put that together, you're in a camper with sat nav and they're in a horse and cart. <laughs> bit of a different. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. what you're working with. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so EMX 2015, EMX 300, yeah. first kind of year. Yeah. And you kind of went to 14 to see Bulgaria and just yeah. thought, okay, I'll yeah, have a little stab at this. Yeah, yeah. And was, was this the year that Bob Buchanan was really championing and pushing the 300 and he had, he, was that Lewis on the? Yeah, that year, 15, he had Lewis and then brought Ando in later on in the year, I think. Okay. I think it was Czech Republic, Ando did his first one. Right. But yeah, it was primarily Lewis then. Yeah. Um, Bob, Bob pushed it. For as long as he did it, yeah, you know he he really was a uh, you know one of the big reasons why that driving force yeah, behind it, why yeah. that went as good as it did. Yeah, 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 and fair play to him. Yeah. So doing the MX three hundred, I, I guess the pressure's not on because it's not like you have you know the, the whole qualifying thing and, and everything else going on, but at the same time, top five aren't hanging around. They're pretty handy. Yeah. 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 Like it. Don't be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly that. Like the the front few, you you could drop them into a GP class. Yeah, really. Um, it's just like the the depth is not as strong as EMX one two five or two fifty, and the racing is nowhere near as intense. Yeah, it's a bit more of like a journeyman class, I suppose. Yeah, bit of a you know, it's it's a lot more about just having the fun. Like you look at Kovar, he's riding a gas gas. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> proper proper like enduro bike converted. Yeah, the the good thing about that class was it, it was a really good taste for people who possibly a couldn't afford the thousand euros to get into mm. MXGP and possibly don't really want to ride at that level. Yeah, we're aged out of EMX two fifty. Yeah, so it still gave you that intensity about being at a GP and being involved in and in, in riding and also competing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just having the the opportunity to to compete at at that level still, you know, going to the GPs and stuff like that is awesome. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, if that wasn't there, like, you get to 23, and that'd be it, game over. Whereas you can kind of still live the dream for a little bit through that. What, what do you think about this new class, EMX 450? Do you think this is a good idea? I think it's great. Okay. And what, 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 what do you think is great? Um, because there's, there's a lot of riders out there who perhaps are, are good enough to go into MX1, but they, they haven't got the ride or they haven't got the funds or something like that. And it will give them something that they can, you know, they can go for. Yeah. You know, as well as their like national championship or whatever, they can go and do that. And I, I hope it's strong. I'd really like it to be strong. It'd be good racing to watch as well because it's a little bit less under the spotlight and PC and all that sort of thing. Are you tempted to do one or two rounds? I was tempted to, yeah. I mean, I'll see how it goes. But like, there's a few tracks like Saint Jean. I've yep. never ridden there. Okay. I'd like to sort of tick it off my list. Yeah. Torchental is Great track. one of my favorite tracks. Yeah. So maybe do that. Majora yeah, as, as well. Is oh, cool. wow. That'd be very cool. Yeah. yeah. So ask Lewis Phillips about the time he rode around Majora. He actually went on a KTM test. I think I remember reading about it. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. I, it was probably the best day of my life <laughs> because I emotionally blackmailed him. <laughs> <laughs> into, into saying he really didn't want to do it. And I think he's, I don't know, it's probably 2013 at the time. Yeah. We were quite new. And um, can you imagine KTM spending all this money we sent over Lewis Phillips? I mean, what, what, 
What a bunch of great guys. So can you imagine? I think it was 30. It might have been 14. I don't know. But Lewis Phillips going around a track with Jeffrey Hurlis and Caroli <laughs> jumping over him. That place is savage. As and well, it was it? wet. It's, oh, no. I, I raced that. That's the one EMX race I've had red flagged. Was that the one where it was just absolutely pissing down? Yes. They had and like a landslide. In front of um, Pit Lane, it's it was literally just underwater. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was there. You know the best thing? Um, they So we had one start. I had a really good start. I was like, oh, this, this is perfect because it's, you know, good for the goggles and all this. Yeah. They red flagged it and it was a little bit sort of dubious. I think an Italian bloke hit the gate or something. Oh, yeah, so they're we, definitely going to call that. We did a whole lap of the track and it was in a state to line back up again. Wow. And like I lined up, I got a shit start. Yeah. And then chain derailed in the end and like wrapped its way up in, in between the front sprocket and the swing arm just before, was it like, you know, where Johnny O'Mara was jumping around the corner at the Nations there? Yeah. I got stuck halfway up there. Good times. Good yeah, times. Yeah, great memories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing I was going to ask you, I mean, the EMX 450, it does, uh, it, it does excite me a little bit like, because those people were kind of, you know, unable to do the MXGPs, which I get because mm. the cost is, is pretty incredible. And for those that don't know, you're probably looking at around about, uh, if you pay up front or you pay it in two payments or whatever you do with Ustream, you're probably looking at about £10,000 for the entries um, if, you, if you manage to do a whole series. I know that yeah. the, um, the official, the teams, it's around about, I'm pretty sure it's around about ten grand for a year's racing if you commit to the European only or, or the, the season. So that gives you an idea. One thing I was going to talk to you about was for those that are thinking about doing EMX 450 this year, obviously you've got a comparable uh, knowledge about what the cost was to do an EMX 300 season. So do you mind talking about that with like costs? Like what would it cost you as a privateer? Cost-wise, cost you'd have to speak to my mum. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next week, we have Mrs. Hollyoke yeah. in, uh, in studio to and, talk about costs. She'll, she'll tell you all about it. She'll so, tell you all about it. Oh, so is this about uh, maybe we don't talk about costs because your mum really doesn't know the true costs because your dad might no, have no, hit she, some under? Or she, is she the accountant? She's the accountant, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so my old man, he, he does like the driving part of it and he, he's working in the workshop and stuff. Yeah. Mother is the one that sort of does all the accounts and that. Okay. And I'm I'm rider, I'm mechanic. Right, okay. Basically. So, but, yeah. so off the top of your head, do you, do you know? Oh, because but, obviously you've got, like, getting in a camper, Trentino, you've got yeah. the fuel. You've I, got tolls, you've got... I think for a year, you know, all in, you'd have to set aside, like, it's got to be edging on 100 grand. Really? I think. You know, by, by the time you've paid for fuel, you've paid for your entries, your bike... The maintenance on your bike, yeah, you know all of these things, like tunnel crossings, ferries, yeah. hotel. Well, hotels you've got campers, so it's not too yeah. bad. But all of these that you know, all all in, yeah, you, you've got to be looking that sort of. So you include so is that six rounds or seven rounds? Yeah, it'd be around about that. And is yeah. that including the British Championship and stuff like that? You including the whole season, or is it just for the European adventure? I'm not sure. Um, I, it's difficult to say. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I, th I think a, probably a good guesstimate is probably on average, would you say 5,000, 6,000 a race once you've got fuel, everything else? When you start Possibly. thinking about Latvia, yeah. Russia. On, on an average, yeah. Yeah, when you average it all out, maybe. Yeah, okay. but it's, I, I, think, I think my mum doesn't like to look at the sort of cost that we, we throw into racing each year because yeah. you, you could buy a nice car every year. Yeah. Definitely. But where's the fun in that? Exactly. Like you've got speed limits and stuff like that. You know, so yeah. Good. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was me trying to cry. I didn't really give a shit. <laughs> spend it, spend it, spend it. It's motocross. It exactly. doesn't matter anyway. It's like Monopoly money. Exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, if, if you are really enjoying it, then, then what sort of um, price can you put on it? Yeah, I mean, this is a, and and this is why I'm glad you come on this, on the show and we and we talk about it because, like I said, I've admir- admired you, uh, you as yourself and your family uh, from afar because of what you're willing to put into it and what you get out of it. And I think that's the interesting concept is what you get out of it. Mm. I never see you guys pissed off. The bike goes wrong, and it's just like you kind of shrug your shoulders and it's like no problem, we'll get it fixed. We'll be back next week. That's that's because we're pissed off when we get back to the camper. <laughs> oh right so when you come out of the camping you see me it's like yeah we're all fine we're all fine yeah and then no, back to the camper spot. No. but but being honest like I, I i know you like you you expect you know you, you have expectations of yourself yeah. and stuff like that yeah. but i gotta be honest like you're always you always you love motocross and that's what i like about it. you love motocross and as a family you're like a unit and yeah you experience yeah. that together and it's if it's a shit weekend, it's not a shit weekend because you're still together and you're still doing something you love. It's, yeah, it's like like I said before, like the the result part of it is the is the bonus. Um, why why do you think so many families like out there? Like my dad was the worst schoolboy dad mm. ever. Like I've, I've mentioned it on a couple of shows. Like he was the worst of the worst. Yeah, really nice guy, but when it comes to motocross, oh my god. So like these got these schoolboy dads out there, and, and you know, kind of listening in. Like one thing which I regret now is that I, I loved motocross when I was a kid, but I didn't have those great experiences. It was all about mm. the results. Yeah, yeah. But I, I look back fondly about taking my BMX and hanging out with my mates. And yeah. I can remember like racing Norton and Start with Burrington Coombe. And I don't know whether the farmer by mistake just literally tipped a load of mud onto <laughs> a straight. Yeah. But we had a jump. And it was the first jump we ever had. And no word of a lie, when we done the track walk in the meeting in the morning, there must have been 50 kids around this lump of mud going, oh my God, I'm going to do a one-hander. <laughs> we were so excited. And I, I look back to all these, you know, hanging around with people like Ben Harmon, like sort of growing up. And I had these really good memories of like hanging around with friends and racing against them and stuff like that. The results were never memorable because they were always, for me, there was always a negative towards that because... Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, if I finished third, second, it was never first. My dad was very much um, Will Farrell in if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> so, it's um, excellent. Yeah, shake and, there was no shake and bake <laughs> in that family. So, um, <laughs> so, but there are a lot of schoolboy dads. And, and one of the things which I really want to get over to people is, you know, do this for the right reasons. Yeah. Like, if you're going to spend this money, which you could spend on other things, which may be materialistic things which make you happy, that's great. But I think people forget the experience. And that's the reason why you do motocross in the first place. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, when you look back on it, like you said, the result part of it is, is, is almost the, the second thing you remember. Like the, the first part of it is, oh, oh, I remember going to Spain. Our, our van blew up and like stuff like that you remember. Not, not so much the, oh, you know, I, I was fifth or whatever. Yeah. Remember um, that amazing 16th I've got. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what results I, I got unless they were like exceptionally good. Yeah, which meant something to you. Yeah, but like, you know, an average day's racing, I, I wouldn't really be able to tell you what I got now. Yeah. I could tell you exactly sort of what happened through the day and stuff that went on. Yeah, people you talked to, yeah. having fun and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I think you should be doing it for that reason, really. For me, it'd be 
I think more people would get more out of motocross and more people would get involved in motocross mm. if, they, if they change their mindset a little. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. I think Lewis said on controversially on, um, on one of the MX5 shows with little Billy is not going to be uh, a world, world champion. champion. That's exactly it. And I've seen so many people sink so much money into schoolboy motocross yeah. in thinking that giving their son a 700-pound exhaust pipe and factory A-kit suspension and all this other shit is going to get them an extra second or yeah. whatever. It's ludicrous. Yeah. Get back to having fucking fun. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And, and really, yeah, especially a kid that age, they, they won't tell the difference between it. No. Like you could say, oh, we, we put this and this on it. Oh, yeah, great. And they, and they just crack on anyway, whether you bought it or not. Yeah, um, yeah it really is just down to, to riding your bike and fun. It's as simple as that. So as, as a family, have you always had that mindset? Or, did um, you, or is this how your dad's always been? Or um, I, I think we have pretty much always had that mindset, yeah. You know, there was sort of a time a couple of years back where I did sort of, I made a bit of a push at it. Yeah. You know, train fairly hard and stuff. And I, I got some all right results. But... I, I can relate to that, Rob. I've been to the gym twice in, in 2020 on my comeback for Team Green. Yeah, yeah, the, the bacon factory. But yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. bacon factory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it all sort of, it all came to a head. Like I, I got injured, I hurt my knee and stuff like that. And I kind of looked at it all and thought, well, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm doing all of this stuff, but it, in reality, it's gaining, it's gaining, gaining me a few places, but I could really just go there and have fun and, and not really be far off where I am anyway. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy with the fact that I'm not going to be next world champion and I'm, I'm just going out and enjoying myself, whether yeah. it's I'm riding at an EMX, whether it's Southwest Premier and anything. Yeah. As long as I'm happy what, with what I'm doing, then that, I don't mind. Cool. Well, let's, uh, we're going to go for a little break. Let's talk about a little bit more about that and also what's coming up in 2020. See you in five. Talon Wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK, Talon Wheels, sprockets, footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. You are listening to the British Motocross Show. We're back this week, as you know. Rob Hollyoaks in the uh, in the studio, and uh, this is brought to you by Talon and Even Strokes. I mentioned some of the brands on Even Strokes, so uh, head over to evenstrokes.com uh, to view those brands. And also another big shout out to the mighty Croft Garage in Cheltenham, which Hell is yeah. actually uh, the main sponsor of uh, Rob Hollyoak family business, <laughs> keeping it real. Um, Rob, I want to talk to you a little bit about the French escapades that you've been up to last three years, is it? Three years you've been doing it now? Um, I've done it two years, like the full season. I did Le Touquet for the first time the year before. Okay. I, I don't really know how I sort of ended up doing it because I... Did you... Were you doing like Western Beach Race before this? No, nope, never done it. Wow. Never done it. Um, and, Are you going to do Western Beach Race this year? Uh, it depends. Have you got a bike for me to do it on? <laughs> <laughs> I think my Kawasaki may be rescinded if I mention yeah, that. Cause, yeah, because I, I don't think I don't think I'll do it on mine. But, yeah, um, yeah. I I just kind of I, I'm not even like a natural sand rider. Um, I I got fed up with burying my head in the sand quite literally. Like when when I ended up having to ride it, so I just I I spent like a fair few years at Dunkirk in the winter just okay, trying to laps. learn it. Yeah, and eventually sort of got the hang of it a bit and thought oh, I'll give it a bit of a bit of a try yeah so then just went and did the 2k yeah 
and it went pretty well and I loved it. So I thought, oh, I'll just do the whole season. And it was, it, it's, <laughs> it sort of ended my, well, my enjoyment definitely in doing the EMX. Really? So once yeah. you started to experience the sand, it, yeah. you kind of then started to think about why am I doing yeah. EMX? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because, uh, and I guess the cost difference has got to be. Yeah, it's, it's probably, it's a fair bit cheaper to do. I can imagine. Definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's a lot more enjoyable. Well, you're out More there. time on the bike, I guess. More time on the bike. And you, you're not in, in having to clean everything back out again. Like you, at, at these races, you get uh, factory teams turn up in a sprinter, literally get two factory bikes out the back, easy up for their pit stop, go out, race for two and a half hours, come in, pack it up, go home. There's none of the, the big awnings and hospitality and all of this you know, still smoke, smoke kind of mirrors. real motocross. Yes. Um, okay. Or sand cross, sand or whatever cross. you want to call it. It's, it's its own own thing, definitely. Yeah, I just got more and more into it. And the 2K is sort of the most noticed one. Yeah. It's, it's pretty big. Yeah. But um, the, the races that we do throughout the season as well, like we've got one uh, place called Saint Leger, which is in the trees. Right. 15-minute uh, lap, just in the woods. 15-minute lap. Yeah. Um, but it's like back and forth on itself, so you can never really remember where you're going. Wow. Um, and the places like that, they're the tougher ones. Okay. Like mentally, like the physical, of course it's hard physically, but like mentally riding around somewhere like that, trying to memorize where, where holes are and stuff like that, and then you've got like the tree roots coming through. And This sounds really fun. That... <laughs> <laughs> That that is You're really selling this championship to people out oh, there. Oh yeah, massively. Um, <laughs> that that race particularly, I normally get about hour and a half through it and think, why am I here? Right. But okay. the other ones, the ones on the beach are awesome fun. Great. Because you like the holes get so big, you can start jumping them and stuff. And it's there's a lot of timing and stuff involved with it, and it just makes the time pass. So so with the one in the woods, then that is like a proper enduro. This is the sort of stuff where you have to go out the day before and walk around for five miles trying to memorize. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing people do that. I'm guessing they don't yeah. just sort of turn up in. I think people have got their different ways of doing it, but I walk the track. I remember. How long does it take you to walk the track? Oh, probably a good hour. Jesus. That's just off the top of my head as well. Th do you think they're going to bring in at some stage, like the ability to ride pit bikes instead of a track walk? Because uh, maybe I might be interested if I haven't got a walk. Some, some of the sort of um, posher people have e-bikes. They Ooh. ride around. Yeah, that'd be quite good. Yeah, yeah. So they do that. Yeah, for me, I'm I'm in the uh, I'm in the vans, high tops, walking around, <laughs> <laughs> keeping it real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It probably rule me out of that for the time being. There. <laughs> <laughs> so, was it? Is it six six rounds, including the two K, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you get everybody there from factory support, it, uh, Van Horbeek, Watson. Yeah. Obviously, Todd Kellett doing very, very well now. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not factory Yamaha, is it? But it's a supported team. It's, yeah. I, uh, it's Yamaha France. It's Yamaha France. Yeah, okay. but um, like Dragon, uh, they're, they're the guys that they, they develop the parts and stuff like that and the works of art. Okay. Like, unbelievable. From, from a distance and you see one of the bikes, you wouldn't really think there's much done to it. But when you get up closer, you know, you've got longer swing arms, the, the tanks are... Like the tank I've had on my bike, you have to put the tank on, then like the subframe through it, okay. because it's it's made so you can get as much in there as possible. Right. There's just so many little things that they do to change them. Yeah. And what's this like bespoke parts that they're making? Yeah. This is not bespoke parts. You can go and get off of a, a shelf, or are they starting to sell it now as well? Um, I think you can buy it for, okay. for like the right money. 
Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all from, as far as I know, maybe the carbon fiber side of things isn't done there, but you know, the swing arms they, they do. And they, they also 3D print stuff as well. It, in a way, it's, it kind of, from what you're saying, it kind of reminds me of when motocross really took off in the, you know, not took off, but the motocross of the 60s, 70s, where people started developing, yeah. like how, how exactly a Cherubis was made with plastics. Exactly. Like they had a metal fender and decided that maybe a plastic one would be, you know, a bit better. And yeah. it sounds like they're trying to adapt these bikes now. Yes. To, to perform better within the sand. So actually, yeah, yeah that's kind of cool. It's, yeah, it's such a, um, now as well, because it's sort of gaining a lot more momentum, the series itself. Yeah. The effort they're putting into building the bikes is just, it's incredible. And I mean, one thing being on this side of the pond um, and, and looking at it, it, it is a huge event. And I can mm. see that from the amount of people that are looking at results on MX Vice. Yeah. So, and the amount of people that are coming in, you know, and in, in reading and in, in interested yeah. in, in, in what's happening. Um, have you noticed over the last couple of years of you doing it, if, is there been, have you noticed a, a shift as in yeah. getting more popular? Massively, yeah. Like it, when, when I first did the 2K, it was, it was big. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the level of riders was maybe not quite as good as it is now. Like now we've got, you know, like several GP riders doing it. We've got ex-world champions doing it. We've got people coming from, you know, like a Dakar background, enduro background, motocross background like me. And we all come into this one series and each sort of genre of motorcycle racing, it all benefits in one area and another. And so we've all got different strengths. Yeah. And it makes it really exciting because everybody's got different, different tools. The, the thing which kind of excites me in my geeky way is on the media side that they're very good at promoting the series. Yeah. The riders promote the series because maybe they want to talk about them being at the series. Yeah. And also they seem to, is every round live on the internet? Yes. It's all, it's all done like a, yeah, like a live stream. And then I know the first round at Burke, it's like a, they call it beach cross. It's like a motocross format. Yeah. That's on live TV. Okay. As well as Latuke. Damn. So, the, so the, the actual series in itself must be generating a lot of income because do people pay to watch as well? No. So, it's, oh my God, listen to this. Latuke so, is free to get in. Burke is free to get in. Latuke, I think this year, something stupid like 400,000 people. So they open this up. So it's free to get in and watch the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's free. And British people. It's wow. free to get in. Free. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just trying to get my head around this. Yeah, yeah. So it's free to get in. Yeah. I keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and it costs nothing to watch on, so on, how, on live. How are they making this work? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Is but this they, the, the French Federation or the organization which are, are I, supporting these events? They, they do support it massively, I think. But I guess they're getting good sponsors coming in. They're yeah. making, if, if you're getting 20,000 people turning up, that's a lot of hamburgers. Mm. Yeah. So you're offering. It. Yeah. Like, like the burger wagons aren't having to pay extortionate amounts to get a stall. So the prices of the, like food and stuff like that is lower. So people are buying more of it. And you know, it's just a snowball effect, really. And it's amazing how, how much it's growing now. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to hear from the organizers to find out how they're making this work. Because, mm. I mean, that, that's a blueprint. I mean, France is, you know, I already know the figures of what people spend in France compared to the UK and, yeah. and other countries. Without a doubt, France is, I would say, 10 times bigger in sales to what the UK is. So yeah. that gives you an idea of, of, of what you're kind of working with there. Mm -hmm. So 
they have got one leg up, but it's quite interesting hearing this and whether that that philosophy can be um, adapted. I know that uh, Gareth Hockey's trying to do something with um, live streaming right. of all of the youth events, which is a you know a fantastic move. But obviously, there's a cost to that. So um, this is kind of a as a sponsor and an advertiser. If you're thinking about okay, I need to need, I need to change things up this year, then that's for me, I know we're going off topic here. That's a great way of of positioning your business because yeah. I think last time Gareth done something, I think he had eighty three thousand views for a youth race in the mm-hmm. UK. Yeah, can you imagine eighty three thousand people watching an event? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's an interest there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now it doesn't matter whether they're from Thailand or they're from Brazil or Germany or France or. Where, whatever country they're from watching a UK event, but there's an interest. Yeah. And if you're an international brand, whether it's, you know, Harry Bow Sweets or whatever, there's a demographic there. And also for UK companies, there's a demographic there and for brands. So I think we're going to see a shift in the next three to four years in the way that people are putting on these events and maybe looking at it thinking, I don't need people to be spending five, 10, 15, 20 pounds to get through mm. the gate. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should be looking at how I can make this work for businesses through live streaming, through yeah. these types of things. And in France, it sounds like they've got uh, something very good happening, which is not just on the, they've got the kids coming through. They've got this whole culture coming through now yeah. of the government supporting. And as well as they seem to have these very good events to be able to be able to put on and survive yeah. in, in, let's face it. Um, I'm pretty sure that the sun's not shining at every round, is it? Definitely not. <laughs> no, we do get some... Because uh, you're racing in... for It's basically a winter series. Yeah, yeah. It's when, when does it start? Uh, starts sort of mid-October. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and when does it end? It's two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, start of February, the 2K. Okay. Yeah. So you have six big races from October through to the end yeah. of Jan, basically. Yeah. Okay. And luckily, you know, they do... They split it between sort of north and south. So okay. If it all goes to plan, the weather down the south is still pretty good, still pretty warm. Uh, so from October, it, it's still kind of warm down there. Yeah, yeah. So on the on the good day down there, you'll be like knocking on 17, 18 degrees. Wow. This year at Hoskor, which is, it's like a it's like a big surfing capital. Okay. Um, we had a massive storm and it reduced reduced the beach to about probably hundred foot wide in places. So they had to like really change up the track yeah. because of that. And but fair play to them, like. They deal They've with done it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I had to rebuild the track every day. Wow. Because it got washed away and then it's pretty crazy. Damn. Okay. So we kind of confirming that you're going to be doing the, the series again next year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the first thing on the calendar for you that's, now. That's the thing that you saw, sort of like what my, I used to do with the EMX is sort of what I focused on. Yeah. It's sort of shifted to, to doing that now. Okay. Just because it's something, something a bit different from, from just your regular motocross and, yeah. It's just great fun. Cool. Cool. So obviously you're doing that. What, what, what other sort of stuff are you going to be up to this year? I'm just sort of going to go do bits and pieces here and there. Like I, so you're not sticking to doing like the British Championship or EMX? You're just no. going to kind of see how you feel yeah. and pick what you want to do? Pick what I want to do. Pick, pick the tracks I want to ride. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. I, I'm not really... And I'm, still family in the camper. We're not going to start seeing you become all professional or turning up in a car and trailer. And leaving mum and dad at home. I was almost thinking about taking the Rover 216 with a bike rack on the back of it. I like it. Something like that. I like it. I've seen a picture today actually on Facebook of um, this American car with a bike 
I didn't even have a roof rack. The bike was just strapped down to the roof. <laughs> I think actually, uh, I think it was um, Davy Coombs from Racer X put it on. Yeah. It was a very cool picture. Ah, sick. Okay, so things are going to change up a little bit like for you this year. Yeah. And is that, so this is you kind of thinking of it like for yourself or is this a monetary thing or a bit of both or? No, it's, it's purely just myself. I, I think I got a little bit burnt out with, you know, I, I did the EMX for seven years and it, it kind of, it gets to the point where you do get a little bit stale in, in doing the same thing all the time. So I just thought I'd try to do something different. And it's really brought my, my love for the sport back again because I, I got to the point where I, honestly, I didn't really want to be there. You didn't ri- fancy riding the, the, the same six tracks in the UK every week and then kind of go over to I mean, I, I Russia like, and Latvia? I like, I like a lot of the British tracks. The, the thing is, I've been riding them for, well, the same as pretty much everybody, 10 years. You know, we did yeah. the schoolboy racing on them, and then we've gone all the way through, and we're on the same tracks all the time. So just a little bit of a break from, from doing that and go and do something new. It's like me going to Cheddar every week. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's like me going to Dunkirk at the minute. I know every single hole around that track at the minute. Yeah. So on, on that note, obviously, I've not asked you about your opinions, but I think you hold a valid opinion because we're seeing a country and a culture which is doing everything right. As in yeah. France, yeah, yeah, you know the the governments, the and we have no, we we can't, you know, change governments. We can't change sports ministers and, and people like that by the way that the UK is structured at the moment. With everybody out there trying to do their own thing and stuff like that, and no one really coming together as one force. But what what do you see in France? You know, because they they seem to have everything right there. Within across the nations, they have some amazing riders coming through from a young age. They're now going over to America and dominating, uh, well, not say dominating, but they're, they're producing some very, very good riders. They're pissing off the Americans. Yeah. And the other thing as well is, you know, they have their own Supercross series as well. Yeah. yeah. So what, like being from the UK and seeing this in, in France and now choosing to go and ride a French championship, um, is, is there anything, what's your opinion on, on all of this? I think a lot of it just comes from, uh, like, generally, just the acceptance of, of motorsport over there you know o- over here by the sort of the general public some people are cool with it but some the majority would frown upon you going riding around a field somewhere you know destroying Strapped their, nice, their sunday. nice sunday lunch yeah yeah whereas over there you go out and start riding they'll come out of their house and go and watch <laughs> you know it's just um it's just the whole attitude towards towards motorsport in general i think instead of sat in there watching country file sat in your front room watching country file instead yeah. of getting out into Cash the country. In the attic and all that yeah. yeah 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 interesting i mean i don't this is not like a poke the bear as in i don't want to get your opinions as in why the <laughs> uk is so crap or whatever but i, I don't think it is no i, I think, think there's is. a lot of people where there's a lot of riders a lot of money i definitely don't think it's dead i think british motocross is thriving which is going to sound crazy to some mm-hmm. people. However, I think people are a little bit bored. I think people, Possibly. and this is no disrespect, I keep going on about same six tracks, but it really is the same six tracks, what yeah. seem to be the same for every championship. I mean, there's no variety, there's nothing. Everybody's doing the same thing as what they've been doing for the last six years. Yeah, yeah. So, and the young kids coming through are heavily influenced by what they see uh, on Instagram. You know, that's where they're getting a lot of their information from, social media, at uh, you know, talk chat apps and stuff like that, and and also YouTube. So they're seeing all these different countries and all these different things. You've got people like Axel Hodges, massive influencer, yeah. just free riding and having fun on a bike. 
making a lot of money and is not raced for, I don't know. Fair few years now. Fair few years, yeah. <laughs> and and at one time was racing and beating Aaron Plessinger and mm. now just having fun. Yeah. I, I think maybe, you know, kids are, kids are changing. Kids are shifting there and still enjoy racing. But again, they want to have fun. So I, I remember, I keep talking about remember back in the day, but, you know, there are meetings which I used to go to where you'd have a two-day meeting, barbecue, beer tent. Your dads would have a race on their BMXs, yeah. um, that type of stuff. And I don't know whether that's still there. Maybe I don't look for it as much, but everything, the fun doesn't seem to be there for me yeah. in MX at the moment in British. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it's just become a little bit stale or there's no change up or, you know, people aren't embracing these things. I mean, we were talking before about the possibility of if you're going to do an event, then why not collab with another event? Like you mentioned, like a bike show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it could be Harley Davidson's, it could be, you know, custom bikes, it could be music, it could be something, but mm. it'd be nice to start to see things Just evolving. A bit of a wider audience yeah. coming into it because, because that's kind of what Matt was trying to do with, yeah. Yeah, with Red exactly Bull. That, yeah. And I know that, and I'll be brutally honest, me and Matt don't really see that much eye to eye business wise <laughs> in obviously how Matt's created a bit of a reputation and stuff like that. And I watched this kind of video about kind of all, all his things in two sides to every story and all that. but. One thing you cannot deny is he put on very good events. He understood yeah. about bringing other people in from yeah. outside of motocross. And, you know, Jesus Christ, I don't know if it was Mr. Blobby or the freaking tweenies or something he had going around, <laughs> or Peppa Pig or something. But there's young kids, was, brothers and sisters. They understood that bringing people in to see... Yeah. from a know, wider audience. From a wider audience. Yeah, yeah. So exactly in between it. motocross races going on, there's other stuff to do. Yeah. The fact which I liked is that you could go to a motocross meeting and sit down. Yeah. And eat your food. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're going to visit somewhere and you're hungry, then ideally you want to sit down in, you know, and that's the thing which I, I took my daughter, who was very young at the time, mm. along, seen Peppa for the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I life. got to see racing. She got to, you know, sit down, eat food together and stuff like yeah. that. And I just think that, you know, and, and, and I understand why uh, Matt's in the situation he is because he's trying to push things forward and, uh, you know, the support's not there and everything else. But I do think, I do think things are a little bit stale. I think they need to be, and, and I'm, this is no disrespect, disrespect to the series owners. I know how hard you work and how much money you're pouring in and everything else. I just, I just feel that people are losing interest. Possibly, yeah. It, I think it's always difficult as well with, we have really got a shortage of tracks uh, and especially tracks at the level to be able to run a national event at. Yeah. And I think that's, that creates a big problem because you end up, you know, we have got a fair few different series and, you know, people have got the argument that it sort of waters everything down. Yeah. But I'm not so sure. I, I think if each series would be able to go, you know, to different tracks, yeah, different places all the time, then, then people might be a bit more interested in, in riding because you're not going to like, oh, I've got Hawkstone for the fourth time this year or something like that. You know, they can go somewhere else. But I, it's a really difficult problem to deal with because of the attitude over here like people don't want a new motocross track opening up especially that sort of size and that level yeah i mean this year i'm i'm riding the southwest masters yeah so it's organized by robin griffith he'd done premier mx a few years ago and he's come back and and sort of re-got uh you know southwest masters up and going he used to ride there premier, yep. premier but one of the one of the main reasons is i find it a fun place to go mm -hmm. um but not only a fun place to go i get to ride ashen woods at Froome. I get to ride Farley Hungerford, you know, two tracks, which I freaking love. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the biggest pull of that series 
is those tracks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, unfortunately, I can't do White Way Barring because I'm in Valkensvard. Um, oh. I have to do my media thing. But the other rounds I'm going to get to. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, I can't wait to ride. The thought of riding Asham and, you know, Big Hills at Asham. Yeah. Riding um, Farley, which is just looks easy, but it's definitely not easy. And it gets so rough and, and everything else. And in, and in the wet, it's not fun. But for me, I'd, I'd happily pay 100 quid to ride both those tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, no, without a doubt. If yeah. I've got to pay £30 to ride Cheddar or, you know, £100 or whatever to, to ride both of those tracks any day. Mm. For the experience, yeah. yeah Hell yeah. yeah. A, a race that I always miss is the kennel. Ah, oh, I was thinking about that I, today. See, I, I only ever kennel raced... trophy. Yeah, I only ever raced it once. I went yeah. to watch a few times in that. That was basically where it banged up on the hill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that is like proper, proper old school racing. But yeah. I, I rode it... Um, Back when I had my KX, my 500, I rode it on the 500 the day before, and then the MX1 class on the on the Monday. Yeah, and 500 round there all day long was so much fun. Yeah, I'd love to see that track brought back. I mean, yeah. one thing everybody super negative, and I'm not negative about the British Championship. I just want change. Mm. But one thing which I think is a very good move is bringing back different tracks. Yeah. So I know everybody's calling it a South South Championship or whatever, but a few years ago, we've, I've talked about it with Josh Spinks and, and Tom Neal before. A lot of the tracks were up north. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just nice to see places like Landrake and Little Silver back on. Instead of going to the same, I still love Ling. I still love Canatites. Don't get me wrong. I, I love all those tracks. Yeah, yeah. However, it's just nice to, to see different ones. Different. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I think as well, it's especially, you know, you go to like Little Silver or something like that. That is proper um, like grassroots yeah. track that is. And it's it sort of, the last couple of years, it's all, almost gone away from that a little bit. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We're going, going to places like Fat Cats. I mean, it, it's a great track, but it's, you know, it, it's not the same. It's not but nowhere near the same, is it? It's, but Little Silver for fans. Can, and, and, and this is not a uh, little kind of, you know, little notice here. This is not me having a go at, at Fat Cats or anything else. But no. as a fan watching at Fat Cats, um, and as a fan of watching Little Silver, you can see way more of the track. Yeah. You know, it's... You know, as a, as a fan, I could understand why you'd you'd want to go there. And mm -hmm. there's nothing to say you wouldn't want to go to Fat Cats. I'm just saying that it's a little bit easier to watch. Yeah, definitely. And it's there's maybe a little bit more going on as well. You know, you've got you know with the downhills and stuff like that. You've got some some yeah. places that people would be passing and think sort of wanting to back out halfway down, but they're far too late. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. You yeah. know, for racing, it can it can get quite interesting. Yeah, places like that. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna, it's going to be a good opening round. It's going to be uh, it's going to be good as well with the kids there. Yeah. So um, hopefully we're going to see some good racing. Are you going to be turning up to watch the first one? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Okay. Are you going to be turning up to ride the first one? Possibly not ride the first one. No. Um, I would like to try and ride. Yeah. A couple of them. Cool. But um, yeah, I'll just see. It's more to do with how I'm how I'm feeling. Yeah. Really, you know, on the bike and all of that. So we might see you in some British Championship races. We might see you in yeah. a, maybe AMX 450. Possibly. Maybe a one-off yeah, or something. Yeah, I'll do, do one or two of those. I'd quite like to. But one thing which we haven't touched upon is you're only 23. <laughs> it seems like you've been riding I, European EMXs for a long, long time, yet you're still, you've only just outgrown the MX2 age yeah, limit, literally. Yeah, I, I actually had someone the other day, um, after the 2K, we sat in the, the Globetrotter there. It's like a, a pub that everyone goes to. Yeah. and um, sort of having a conversation and, and this guy said oh you, you've done a lot for, for like the age you are and I didn't really clock on to what, what I've what I've done because I've 
Well, I raced in New Zealand as well. I remember that. Yeah. You went out of King Le Mans. Yeah, yeah. I went and stayed right. with Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff like that that um, I could have really easily just said, no, I'll, I'll just stick to riding over here. But, but a great experience. Oh, like seven, 17 and um, turn up to the airport and your parents just go, all right, see you later. See you later. Off you go. <laughs> that was cool. What, what, what actually happened on that? Because Kane came over and rode for Rob Hooper at the time, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then you got to know him, become good friends? Yeah, well, I knew him. I got to know him before that. Okay. He came over to do the EMX 125. Right, And okay. he turned up at a, a Cotswold Club race. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I was on 85s and we kind of got talking in that. Yeah. And then he came over the year after with Rob Hooper. Yeah. And I was sort of uh, getting a bit of coaching and riding with Lewis Gregory. Yeah. Who was obviously strongly linked with Rob. Yeah. So, yeah, I sort of got to know him a bit more and he was living with Gary Finch down in Quedgley. Finchy. So I know Finchy quite well as well. Yeah. And we, we just kind of got to know each other. And then eventually said, oh, you come over and do the Nationals. Yeah, too right. Very cool. <laughs> and you done that for one year? I did it for two seasons. Two seasons? Yeah. And what was that experience like? Awesome. Was it? There's no better place on earth to ride a motocross bike. Than New Zealand? No Is it way. that good? Yeah. Wow. Like, it's just the terrain they've got out there. Like, they've got like, um, it's almost like a volcanic, you know, like if pumice got broken down into like dust. Yeah. So you water that and it's like just perfect burns and stuff wow and like the terrain they've got a lot of it's very undulating so you can build like huge step ups over hills and that's awesome so another thing um you've kind of had this career so far and you're still very young at 23 mm -hmm. and i say career because obviously it's not a career as in you're earning money from it but yeah. you're learning from it I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say yeah but you're a fully qualified mechanic aren't you yeah, yeah i did um i did my college stuff oh when was that I started in 2012 as soon as I left school. Yeah. And I got it done by sort of midway through 14. And I, I, actually, I actually went to New Zealand for three months in the middle of it. Right. Um, like my, my lecturers and stuff sort of turned a blind eye to it. And I actually went away for three months and then came back again and they, they hadn't kicked me out. So that wow. was cool. <laughs> and yeah, and by, by the time I sort of finished it, I did a little bit in the garage and then it sort of got to where I was doing EMX and I was doing my bikes and getting the camper and stuff ready. Yeah. But I can still be, I don't work full time. Okay. But if they need me in the workshop, I can go in and do some work. Okay, cool. So is that, is that kind of, is that, I'm guessing that's where you earn your, your pennies to go racing and stuff like that. <laughs> my, my, my little, my little pennies. <laughs> but is that having that, that skill and it's obviously, it's your dad's garage, your mum and dad's yeah. garage. Yeah. So, is that going to be, is that your career kind of, is that what you're going to step into the um, family business at some point or are you going to go your own way or? I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I mean, I, I quite like to go mechanic at, you know, at GPs and stuff like yeah. that. But, but it's I, something you actually enjoy, hey, you, you, you enjoyed the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything, like at one point I enjoyed the mechanics more than actually riding. Wow. Which is. I've got extreme. a bike just next yeah, door. Yeah. We it's, can start greasing that up. I'll watch. I love it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it, I, I do enjoy that side of it. So it, it would be cool to go into that sort of work, but I, it's the sort of thing, you know, going to mechanic in at GPs, you've got to put the rest of your life on hold for yeah. that. Yeah, it's massive. Um, so just sort of cross that bridge when I come to it, really. But that's something that could be, we could see in the future. I'd Maybe like one to, day. If, if I had the chance to, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah I'd like cool. to do it. Wow. Okay, there we go. So any, uh, any uh, teams out there looking for mechanics in the future, then um, there we go. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
<laughs> get a job opportunity on there as well. I'd be all right. So I think it's it's been really good to kind of talk to you and, and, and learn a little bit more about it. I think we've only just scratched the surface, you know, on the show. I think we've probably done an hour and a half of talking now. And, yeah, yeah. You know, there's little things I've learned. I've, I, I, I know you a bit better than most people, I, I guess, um, over the years sort of talking to you. And it's been really interesting hearing your kind of thoughts and, you know, coming from, you're a realist, you know that, you kind of know that you're not going to be competing for wins with Jeffrey Hurley. Yeah, I'm, I'm not under any <laughs> but, sort of delusion No, there, no, no. But at the same time, you, you, you love what you do, you love motocross yeah. and, and you enjoy it. And yeah, I think yeah. that is the one thing, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on this show was because, A, I think you're a very likable character in, in, in the pits and wherever I go, great family, and also you have a touch of realism. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's fair to say like you, you understand that and, and let's not take it away like you're a great rider and someone to go out and get three years in a row and top 35 in their 2k out of 1200 people that, that's a testament to itself you've done the EMXs you know you've competed in top 10s in EMX yeah. so you know you're a great rider but what I think what I like about it is you're a realist <laughs> well I, I'm, I'm, sort, I'm sort of lucky enough that I've, I have just about the ability to be able to ride at an alright level but at the same time, I'm not like a front runner, so I, I'm not I'm not sort of uh, getting tied into taking it really, really seriously and stuff. I can I've got a sort of best of both worlds there because I, I can do it for the fun and the experience, but also I can still do it at an all right level. Yeah. Which, so are we gonna am I gonna be seeing you at some Southwest Masters this year? Definitely. Would you like to? You can park next to me if you like. Can I use your easy up? You can actually uh, just make sure you bring your tools because I've got no mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got a phone clue. <laughs> I don't even know if I could change plastics. <laughs> I can do stickers. I'm really good at stickers. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, I'll do stickers and clean goggles. Make it look cool. So if you could just maintain my bike all year, then uh, <laughs> I'll maintain your goggles. <laughs> Which actually just is a case of me putting a new lens in. It's a new lens. Yeah, I can't, can't buy laminates anymore. I can't afford them. No. I just no. got a wipe. Yeah. <laughs> Get old t-shirts, fine. Yeah, yeah. But um, I hope you've enjoyed today. Oh, it's been cool. And yeah. it's great having you on and um, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you very much. Cheers. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. You are listening to the British Motocross Show. British Motocross.